It's uh, time now for the General Knowledge Podcast, Season 4, Episode 10. We have a guest joining us this evening who we'll introduce very shortly, but for, uh, for the time being, Big Andy's here with me. Andy, how you going, brother? Good to see you. You're staying dry, mate, in this uh, torrential downpour we're having? <laughs> mate, it's been, uh, been, a, been a challenging week, hasn't it? It's mm. absolutely, absolutely unprecedented. And, and, of course, it reminds me of the... Uh, terrible 2011 floods that we had here yeah exactly um, it's almost it's almost like um exactly the same thing going on this weather event yeah and i actually listened to a press conference that um our, our premier anastasia palachuk was uh, getting grilled by some of the reporters about the dam levels and if she's going to you know let some of that water out and where the capacity is that they're nearing 200 percent capacity apparently like some of these big dams it's ridiculous it's actually getting quite bad. Like, if it discontinues, you know, we may even see a repeat if we're unlucky enough. Um, but we'll get into that maybe later on the show. But it's good to have you, man. Um, Ethan is also here. Ethan Nash from TOTT News, as always. Say good day to the uh, the listeners, Ethan. Thanks for joining. Hey, boys. Hey, everyone listening out there. Good to be here from very wet Queensland, Australia. Um, looking forward to taking a little bit of a different spin on this episode and interested to hear some of the information that um, our guest has and about, you know, we're going to get into it and have a chat, but very interested. It would be good to get a distraction away from all of the non-stop rain, mate. Mm, mm. <laughs> Did you hear there's a new um, a new variant um, that's out too, boys? It's called Waracon. Have you seen that one? Waracon. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I love yes. it. Yeah, you heard it here first. That was mine. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's all gone. It's it's uh, it's only war at the moment. Apparently, no more COVID. It's uh, COVID what? COVID who? It's uh, it's just disappeared from the zeitgeist. I'm sure it'll rear its ugly head once again. But uh, in the meantime, we're going to blow a few more holes in the COVID narrative um, with our guest this evening, and we kind of. Um, we did touch on a bit of this stuff back in a few previous podcasts, and we were sort of mentioning how, uh, like, surely someone has got some data on, you know, all the deaths and how there's no COVID deaths and all these deaths we're seeing are most likely, you know, the vaccine injured, um, because during the height of the pandemic before the vaccine, there was literally no one dying of COVID, especially here in Australia anyway. We, I won't speak um, for other countries. I'll let our guests do that for us with regards to England. Uh, but... 
You know what I mean? It was it was just a nothing burger. And speaking of the nothing burger that COVID actually kind of is, have you boys seen the um, information that's come out from the Australian Bureau of Statistics? They have finally released some of the data. And of course, this is going along with the, the COVID narrative. And, and uh, you know, we always obviously call it the hoax that it is. But for those that want to believe in the virus and the COVID narrative, then all of the deaths that apparently have been attributed solely to COVID here in Australia amounts to a massive number of just 83. So all of the um, shit that's happened to us over the last two years, they, they, they've done the, re- done the release of information, boys, from January 2020 to January 2022. 83 was the number of total deaths in this country directly attributed to COVID. And... Um, I would love to see the statistics on the suicides as a result of the lockdowns and all this other stuff that's happened. That shit is through the roof. Everyone, my wife included, knows a friend of hers who actually has committed suicide as a result of the lockdowns and all the bullshit that has happened. That was a few months ago as well, probably nearly a year ago, actually. Um, so we know it's not it's sort of that six degrees of separation. Everyone sort of knows someone who knows someone who's probably taken their life as a result of what the government has done to us in the overreaction of dealing with this ridiculousness and the hoax that it is. Um, but anyway, enough about that. Let's actually bring in our guest for this evening's show. We have a wonderful gentleman, John O'Looney of Milton Keynes Family Funeral Services, which is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, John, about an hour and a half northwest of London. Uh, where you're based? About, about yeah, about fifty minutes north okay. of London. So we're we're pretty central. There you um, go. In the UK. Thanks for joining us, mate. I appreciate you taking the time to speak with a couple of uh, Aussie bums about what's happening in the world at the moment. To be honest, you you guys are far <laughs> from bums, and in fact, um, it was a guy called Dr. Sam White, and the plight of Australians and and the atrocities that were being committed over there, um, that that kind of pushed me to speak out to be honest with you so you guys have inspired me because your your um your families are every bit as important as mine and, and frankly um i'm disgusted with the premier uh, and the leaders over there they should hang their heads in shame and the sooner you're rid of them the better well truer words have never been spoken <laughs> well said thanks man i Love appreciate it. that yeah um, we're trying our hardest. <laughs> we are. We're uh, trying. We're trying to get rid of them, mate. Um, we're trying to hold them accountable. It's not easy. Um, no. But um, first of all, just for the listeners out there, um, for those who don't know who John O'Looney is, please tell us a little bit about yourself, mate. So um, obviously, my name's John, as has been said. I'm a funeral director based in the UK. I've been a funeral director for 15 years now. Ten of those were spent working for Co-Optive Funeral Care, who are a major um, funeral provider in the UK. They've got about 50 or 60 market uh, percent market share. Um, I worked for them for 10 years, and then the Co-op back bank collapsed, and they brought the money men in, um, and it kind of spoiled it. You know, the emphasis was on taking money rather than looking after people and treating them properly. So I wasn't happy working like that and, and decided to jump ship and uh, found a, a little funeral home um, and rented that out. And I've been working for myself for the past five years now. I'm in my fifth year. Yeah, nice. Excellent. It's good to hear. Self-made man there. Hope the business is, um, is still going well with everything that um, you know, you've been discussing and, and getting out there to the world. Um, I hope it hasn't really hampered your business too much. And, uh, no, in fact, it's gone the other way where it's been really productive because I think people, do you know, this, this business is all about treating people the way you would want to be treated. 
it's that simple. You know, I haven't got a magic wand, um, you know, where I can wave it and we can all go home happy. But I do care very much about uh, what I do. And, and um, you know, God forbid, but if I looked after your mum, I'd look after her in the same way I would my own. Yeah. And if you do that, um, you know, you'll prove, yeah, that will prove very successful. People like that kind of approach. Uh, and um, I've had a number of funerals uh, from slightly outside the area where people have come to me because they've appreciated my honesty and my integrity, you know, mm-hmm. um, whereas perhaps other people are not quite as honest. Oh, it's excellent, mate. Um, uh, it's great that you have that approach to the, to the work um, and the respect for the deceased and the families. It's That's what it's all about, you know, just providing that level of care. Um, can I just just quickly before we move on to, of course, all the hot topics? Was there? Am I correct me if I'm wrong as well? Was there something about you having to be rescued from hospital or something? Yeah. What's, so what's this was, about? So um, this, I, I kind of released a video skimming over that, but I'll skim over it again. So just before Christmas, about ten days before Christmas, I had a bit of a cold. It developed to like a flu. Um, and then I became a little bit breathless. Um, my missus was ill as well. And, and, and during the course of the last two years, I've made a lot of contact with a lot of people. Um, many of those are doctors and nurses who are openly, um, you know, uh, anti-poison. I'm not going to call it vax because it's not a vaccine. It's a gene therapy. Mm-hmm. And they've they've um, I, I was kind of consulting them. And, and um, I, I had um, a sats meter on my finger, which which was registering, you know, uh, for oxygen saturation because I was really poorly, you know, and I'm not usually ill. And, and um, I ended up having to go to hospital because I couldn't breathe. So I went into hospital, went into uh, the, I'll, I'll tell you the story because it's quite interesting and quite chilling. So the ambulance arrived and it consisted of three staff. There were two great big guys, bigger than me, um, really nice, really friendly. Um, and there was one who was leading, who was a little woman. She was like the paramedic. And she was, from the moment we came in, she'd obviously checked into my background because she knew who I was she knew that I hadn't taken a vaccine and she started berating me saying I can't believe how selfish you are we know you're not vaccinated and yeah you know when you're like um I know and I kind of said well actually I'm a funeral director and I've seen loads of people that have been vaccinated die shortly after so that's why I've taken the choice not to have it because it's about choice isn't it you know oh well you're so selfish this that and the other and you know when you're like I said look no disrespect you're here to take me to hospital do you think you could do that you know, and that's what she did. Um, went to triage, and the nurse there were really, really great. There was two girls in there, staff nurses. Straight away, uh, they put me on some oxygen. They took three lateral flow tests, and very interestingly, all three tests were negative. And I was laid next to her. I was the only one in there, um, and I lay next to her as she put the tests in the machine, and they were all uh, negative. And very interestingly, my wife was um, she was unwell as well, though not as unwell as me, you know. And her sister's a teaching assistant. So she lived in a place called Bedford, about 30 miles away. She came across from Bedford and bought three tests. Because, you know, if you're teaching in, in the teaching profession, you get three tests. So she bought these tests with her and um, did three tests for her at home. Totally separate batch, separate tests, separate environment, all negative. So I kind of, yeah, OK. Uh, they moved me straight onto a COVID ward. Um, and I was in a room uh, on Ward 22 in Milton Keynes Hospital with two other COVID patients. Now, on the way in there, they said, we'll put you on ventilation. We want to get you on this high pressure mask and this. And that. I said, well, I don't really need it. You know, um, no, I don't want ventilation. You know, mm. uh, the, this was early hours of the morning. So 
the following morning, a consultant came in and he sat down on the edge of the bed and he said, uh, right, he said, we're going to start you on some remdesivir. I said, Look, hold on a minute. I said, I've had three, three tests, all are negative. I said, and let's have a look at the clinical basis for me taking remdesivir, what the side effects are and what's likely to happen if I take it. And he just walked away. Yeah, he just walked away because he knew that I knew what I was on about. Yeah. You know? and, I, and I kind of said to him, what about the, the strain on my kidneys and my liver and the breathing difficulty from remdesivir? And he wouldn't even talk to me about it. He looked like a child that had been caught with his hands in the biscuit tin. Yeah. And that was the last time I saw that, that consultant. He never came back. You know, uh, He wouldn't even have a discussion. In, imagine how many, other, how many people he's probably responsible for taking their oh, lives. I watched, you know? I watched the, two, the two guys opposite had agreed to have these drugs. And they were dying in front of me. And wow. all night they were bringing... Yeah, so um, anyway, later in the day, and this is the, the, the most interesting bit, I had a woman sit on the end of the bed. And I looked at it as an opportunity because of my stand uh, uh, for truth, you know, and I asked every patient that I spoke to in there, have you been vaccinated? Have you been vaccinated? Have you been... Va and every one of them that I spoke to was vaccinated. I was the only one in that ward that wasn't vaccinated. So this, this woman sat on the bed and um, she said, hi, my name's whatever her name was, pretty little blonde girl. Um, and she was really strange. The body language was really strange because she couldn't look at me. She was like that, talking to me <laughs> like that. And, uh, and she said, I'm from Oxford University. Uh, <laughs> and we want to try you on a couple of drugs that we were using for COVID patients. And I said to her, but I've tested three times negatively. Oh, they told me that you are positive now. You know, we're like, okay. Um, so I said, what are these drugs then? So she said there was one called baricitinib, which is for chronic arthritis. And there's another one called toxilizumab. And I took the spellings down. I said, okay. I said, she said, you will have to sign a waiver. I said, why would you ask me to sign a waiver for medicine? I said, is, is something bad likely to happen? I said, let's have a look then at the side effects. Kidney function, liver function, breathing difficulties, high blood pressure. I said, look, I'm sitting here on an oxygen line. Why would you give me that? Why would you ask me to take that and sign a waiver? I said, isn't the writing on the wall? I said, look at the state of these two guys. They both had it. And they're both gasping for breath, um, being fed morphine all night. So the nurses were coming through and giving these guys who couldn't breathe morphine. Why would you give someone morphine yeah, yeah, who it's, can't breathe? Yeah, that's right. There's only one outcome. So... Um, they steadily got worse and worse, and I was on antibiotics and steroids and recovered enough after two days to discharge myself after a three-hour fight. Yeah, they wouldn't let me out, so they called security on me as well, and I said, look, I'm discharging myself. Oh, if you go out, we're going to have you arrested. We're going to have you arrested. I said, the, what do you mean? On what grounds? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, they actually said re-arrested. Uh, and I said, what do you mean re-arrested? Re I said, is this a prison or is it a hospital wing? A hospital ward, you know. I said, I'm here as a patient. I feel well enough to go home. I'm going home. So they made every effort they could. I think they must have had every member of staff wanted to speak to me then to tell me how I would die if I left, you know. And lo and behold, I'm still here. Yeah, look at this. Alive and ticking with everyone yeah, else around you dropping dead. Yeah. They actually, well, they actually rang my wife, the consultant, um, uh, uh, Dipali, his name was, rang my wife and my son had the presence of mind to record the phone call and he tells my wife if john leaves this ward he would die within minutes yeah lo and behold they tried everything they could yeah. to keep me there to weaken me and this woman kept saying she said i'll come back tomorrow i'll come back tomorrow i'll come back tomorrow so the idea is that you gradually feel weaker and weaker and worse and worse and then you say oh i will have the life so oh i was told i would die 
if I didn't take these medicines, you know? Yeah. Um, and the, rea- the reality is I would die if I did. Yeah. And I know because I get, I get the people coming here and they're all swollen, full of fluid, where, the, you know, their kidneys have failed and their liver's failed and then the rest of it's failed and they've died. And it's a COVID death. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, do you think, do you think all, all John, that um, an, another part of that is possibly to do with the, the monetary motivation that they may have had oh, to, yeah. to, obviously, to keep they, you in, to give you experimental drugs, uh, and then probably yeah, to, yeah. to you, 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 you would probably then test positive for COVID, you know, further yeah, down the track right. because you being in there. Yeah, yeah. So that, to me, that yeah, makes yeah. a lot of sense so, as well. Um, they would try that because they're getting monetary they, benefit from having you in hospital. They are. They get paid for everyone that um, is COVID. They get paid for everyone they put on ventilation, and they get paid for everyone that dies. Mm. Do you know? So, so there's a great monetary incentive, and it all adds up to significantly still less than what your pension pot is. I'd wager. Yeah. yeah. You know, but that's another story for another day, isn't it? Mm. All right. Well, thanks for taking us through that. It was just interesting. I saw that come up today when I was doing a bit of research. I was like, hello, what's mm. what's this about? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So I thought and I'd ask you. Well, the, the last bit to that is very interesting because very early on in COVID, when I believed it as well, I, I had the BBC get in touch and they said, we want to come and do an interview. So I said, OK, fine. And, you know, you kind of think, well, I'm doing my bit. Great. You know, uh, they came out. They got me to dress up in full PPE with a mask on as well. Uh, and all in one, like a, a paint sprayers mask. Yeah, for yeah. Effect. And I kind of promoted their bullshit. And, and I bitterly regret it. And they know what I've been saying. For 18 months now and none of them want to come and see me no, now when i came out of hospital and came back to work i got a phone call from the bbc they said <laughs> oh we want to come and interview about your, your covid experience i said i to be honest with you i said i don't think you do i said because you won't broadcast what i'm going to say and i went through it with him you know and they were oh 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 and they looked at me as an opportunity to say here's an anti-vaxxer who caught covid mm. you know um they didn't mention the fact that i tested negative there were six negative tests between me and my wife you know it's bullshit the whole thing is bullshit and it's been suggested to me um by a number of people i was probably targeted with something be that some sort of ray or weapon or poison or or, and that's why i tested negative you know because you know is that a flawed testing system or is it bullshit Mm. well it's a flawed uh, testing system of course but well they said that i would die without these medicines and yet i guarantee you the, the the two poor souls that were in there were the ones that died. I walked away and here I am back at work living mm. a, a normal life. So, um, you know, is it a flawed testing system or is it bullshit? Mm. I'd suggest it's bullshit and a flawed testing system. All right. Uh, before we move on to the next part, uh, Andy or Ethan, did you want to jump in with a quick question or uh, follow up with that particular part of the story? I've just got a quick comment, John. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's just... It's just... Like listening to your story, it's just mind mind numbing to me that someone would actually like you know so called professional jumps into into work with the with the mindset that it's a monetary incentive. And they're like a bunch of like used car salesmen. Like mm. it's like, they've got, it's like they're, just, they're doing it because they've got a quota it's just almost. Amazing. And that's you hit the nail on the head there with the quota thing now. Whilst I was in there, not only did I speak to patients, but I had a couple of nurses speak to me who, who said, we know who you are and we agree totally. Please save us. And the same thing was said to Mark Sexton. So Mark Sexton came because um, I was in touch with him with a guy called. Um, uh, well, I'm not going to name the doctor because he's still registered and they may make his heart, life hard. Um, a wonderful man, wonderful man came uh, and helped um, discharge me by acting as what's called an advocate. 
Um, and when he was in the lift coming up to the ward, he met a nurse in the lift who said, I know who you are. Um, and she said, please save us. Now, that is not casual conversation Incredible. you'd have with, have, have with a nurse about the weather. Mm. Do you know, that yep. is a desperate a nurse, desperate. And I've spoke to doctors and nurses myself, nurses who have said to me they're going to work to try and minimise the damage being done by the protocols the government enforce on the hospital. Wow. These are not things, these drugs are not being given to people at the whim of clinical decision in the hospital. It's government policy. That's it. So and anyone who, yeah, yeah, it's not, the doctors don't want to give it. That's what they're being told to do. There is no option. Any any alternatives that were put on the table that might have worked, either mectin, have been pulled. And they'll rebadge them uh, under an expensive medicine name, as is happening at the moment. Um, and they're bringing them out, either, uh, you know, either mectin rebadged at 10 times the price. It's... Yeah. So the way I see it, John, is it's like it's it, it definitely is a depopulation agenda. 110%. And, and, 110%, yeah. And... and, and People want to make money on the way with fulfilling yeah. that agenda. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, yeah, and of we'll course get into, John, we'll get into that um, whole medazolam stuff further on, if that's all right. I'll yeah, just jump in there just so in case you brought it up now. Um, just cross to I'll Ethan. Ethan, quickly, um, you, were, you were going to chime in just quickly before Ethan, I think. No, I was just going to say I'm just enjoying the conversation, mate. Yeah, awesome. Nothing really to add. All right, cool. Um, well, John... Let's let's start back a little bit further um, at the beginning of the timeline. So you, you did mention a little bit earlier that in the beginning you, you you bought into it just probably like most of the people around weren't really skeptical of it, kind of bought into it. You know, you did the interview. Um, let's sort of take it from there forwards as and and take yeah. us through that journey a bit about all the discoveries you've made and the things you came across. This is the real the meat of the discussion. Yeah. So so for me. Um, I'll be honest with you, I was never really a conspiracy theorist. You know, you kind of hear these different stories. I think the only thing I looked at and, and thought looked a bit sus was 9-11 because I was an engineer and I used to be a, a welder fabricator and I know how metal works and the physical <laughs> properties of it and thought, well, that's bullshit. But I kind of wrote that off uh, as um, mass murder and then wanting to launder money through generating a war, you know. Um, but... Moving on with COVID, I genuinely believed it and I had no reason not to. You know, here we were told it was a, a terrible thing. We were seeing people fall over in streets in China. Uh, and um, yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, I was worried because if you go to the hospital and they say, don't open the body bag, this one has HIV and, and tuberculosis. Trust me, you're not going to open the body bag, you know, because your, your own life is at danger. Um, uh, and anyway, the, but it wasn't long before holes started becoming um, really apparent in the story. Massive holes, massive holes, and I kind of ignored them at first, and then these, these holes got bigger and bigger. One of them was the death rate. There was no increase in death rate at all across the whole of 2020. None at all. Not one death rate increase. In fact, it was quieter than it was in 2019, and that was actually documented. Most of the funerals that we do um, in the UK are cremations, probably... 95 percent um and that's just cultural you know five percent are catholics west indians and um, people that like to bury you know so mm -hmm. a very small number so you could have a look at the cremation numbers uh, and um really see there was no pandemic there yeah. was no there was so there was that there was the death rate um and then there was the fact that um I was washing and dressing them and I wasn't getting sick and dying so the way that began was um this was February, March was a time where people were dying and they were all relabeled as COVID. Everyone was relabeled as a COVID death. 
cancer patients, dementia patients from care homes. Even one guy that was run over was a was a COVID dead. And um, the what the funeral directors locally certainly um, were going down to the hospital with coffins or taking sealed body bags, putting people straight in them, uh, and not giving people any time. You know, no viewings, no visits. I had a family come to me who'd lost a little girl of six um, to cancer. Uh, and uh, they wanted, obviously, to spend time. You know, she had a brother of five and a sister of seven uh, and wanted to spend time with her in the chapel of rest. How can I say no? You know, so I got her embalmed and I washed and dressed her and, and put a little dress on her and gave them the time they needed. And I kind of thought, you know, if I can do that for her, I can do that for everyone. And that's what I've done the whole way through COVID is washed and dressed all of these poor sods. Because, you know, a lot of these people um, were dying over a Zoom call in hospital. Or, or were told uh, hours after that their mum had died. You know, they weren't um, they weren't giving him the care that they made an oath to give. Mm. You know, so so um, I wasn't prepared to work like that. And um, and I was it was funny because I was waiting out every morning thinking, oh no, I'm all right, I'm still here. You know, and still washing and dressing these people, <laughs> wait, waiting to fall over. Yeah, how have I happened. survived? It's a miracle. Yeah, yeah how have I survived? It's a miracle. And I never wore a mask. Um, primarily because i couldn't get any you know everyone was panicked buying them they're all driving down the road in a car on their own with a mask on and and the people that really need them you know i couldn't get one so so uh, there was that and then i had a a guy from march 2020 onwards who rung the office and he said well i'm a pandemic guy he said i i am i'm government sponsored he told me the company worked for something resilience uh, and i can't remember him for the life of me his name was john though and he said i'm going to ring every week I've got a number of questions to ask you as a funeral director. And my job is to ring all of the funeral directors in the immediate area and take numbers. So, again, this was just on the cusp where I still believed it, but I was like, okay. Um, getting uh, getting curious, getting a little bit sceptical at this point, maybe? or Well, I wasn't seeing anyone die. Yeah. You know, um, so, so where, is the, where is the panic? Um, but, but he said, um, how many of you had in? Where have they come from and how many are COVID? Now, this was at a time when doctors stopped attending deaths. So usually when you have a death, say, for example, in a care home, you get a doctor come, he would have a look. And if he had any concerns or he hadn't seen the patient for seven days, he would then ring the police and the police would have a look as well. And between them, they would decide if it was a coroner's case. Doctors stopped coming. Police stopped coming. And I got an email from the police saying, um, you know, when we're doctors and, and police are not coming, we want you to declare death. And if you've got any suspicions, call the coroner, you know. But we're all in it together. You know, bullshit. It, um, so anyway, more or less straight away, this pandemic guy who was ringing every Monday, he, would, he, he was saying to me, I would say uh, the conversation would go much. Like I'd say to him, well, on um, Saturday, I picked up a guy from a care home. He was there five years there was no doctor present. There was no COVID test present. There was no police officer present. He wasn't a COVID death. I spoke to the family. He'd been in there four years with onset dementia. He was a COVID case. And I, I, okay, why was he COVID then? Well, because we've heard there was COVID in the care home. We've been instructed everyone in that care home has to be COVID. But he wasn't COVID, you know? Um, and I'd go to a local hospice, a guy there, cancer. He, I pulled the morphine driver out of his arm, you know, where he was a skeletal. He, the, I spoke to the family. Um, he'd been a cancer patient with pancreatic cancer for 18 months. He was a COVID patient. How was he a COVID patient? There was no test done, no doctor present. I spoke to the family. They said it's cancer. I pulled the driver out of his arm. He wasn't COVID, but he was because we'd heard there was COVID in there. Uh, the BMJ instructed all of the ambulance drivers 
everyone that gets on your ambulance is COVID. So there was no increase in deaths, but they relabeled every death as a COVID death. Now, winter flu, for example, I've been an undertaker for 15 years. Winter flu is the biggest killer every year. It happens. It's seasonal. There wasn't one winter flu death in 2020. Not one. Not where did flu go then? You know, um, and they were all just people relabeled. So there wasn't any increase in death rate at all in 2020. It was all people relabeled as COVID deaths. And the idea of that was to convince the public they needed a life-saving injection. That's that's what I believe anyway. And then um, in September, I was called to a meeting um, in, in Westminster. And uh, the people that were present, uh, it was a guy called Sir Graham Brady. Uh, I can really hear rain. Yeah, I'm going to mute myself. Oh, thank you, buddy. Um, so so um, I can, uh, um, we went down to Westminster. I was there with the, the people of the calibre. Mike Yeadon was there via a Zoom call, the Vice President of Pfizer. Uh, Professor Dolores Cahill, Dr. Tess Laurie, Stephen Frost, Dr. Sam White, uh, Mark Sexton. Basically, there was about 18 people there. Anyone, it was anyone. Sukarit Bhakti was there. I was the only guy there without any letters after my name, you know, and I felt a bit of an out of place, really. But um, Sir Graham Brady um, chaired the meeting. There were supposed to be two MPs attend, um, and one of them couldn't make it last minute and didn't turn up. But Sir Graham Brady was there. For those who are not aware, Sir Graham is the chairman of the uh, uh, 1922 commission or committee. So he's a very senior uh, Tory politician. He's one of the people that pick the next candidate to be prime minister, you know, in the illusion that's democracy. Um, uh, and so he's a very senior guy anyway. And um, we were there for a couple of hours with him. We had all uh, about 15 minutes each. So we introduced ourselves and we gave testimony in our relative respective fields, you know, as to what our concerns were. And he knew, he knew, because while they were watching everyone else talking i solely for the whole period of time watched sir graham just to gauge his body language and his reaction to what was said you know so, so for example the science that were there i mean the people dolores cahill and it was it was <laughs> it was laughable because it was reported in the fake media it was a group of anti-vaxxers now let me just tell you i've had every vaccine there is with the exception of this poison People like Delor Dolores Cahill, Professor Dolores Cahill is a woman who's built a career on the back of vaccines. She's not anti-vax. You know, she's run level three biolabs and been in charge of them. She's worked in level four, smallpox, Ebola, that kind of thing. She knows her shit. She's at the top of her game. She was advising the British government in her 20s and she must be uh, mid 50s, late 50s. So don't tell me she's an anti-vaxxer. You know, she isn't. You know, she fell foul of government because of concerns she raised about the HPV um, and they kicked her out. You know, so she knows her stuff. Now, they put down reams of paperwork that suggested the following. There are several types of jab. One is a, a placebo. And the idea of that is to recruit you as an advocate. The second one is a clot shot. Uh, and people are dying not long after from uh, blood clots. And that comes through as a heart attack, a stroke or an aneurysm. And as a funeral director, these are the ones that I see that alarm me because they're in um, unusually large numbers and an unusually wide range of ages. So the youngest, 23, people that don't usually die. You don't get 23-year-olds die of heart attack. 
they're dying now since they've been jabbed. And the last one was the most chilling one, really. It was one that's decimating the immune system. And they went into the science of how that works. And they suspect that anyone that's had this particular one is got between two and five years. That, you know, that's the bottom line. There is no cure. They can't clean it out of them. They've got between two and five years. And they went into the science and it is it's to do with, and, and remember, I'm only an undertaker, but basically the cells, a large number of cells in the body regenerate over the course of two years. The T cells that regenerate over that two years have a new instruction and that instruction is to attack the host. So that host then gets sick and ill and there's your new variant and they die. Um, Children that are vaccinated, many will die from myocardia, and we've seen that. We watched 300 FIFA registered players this year die uh, on pitch and uh, televised, you know, but there's nothing to see that's totally safe. Uh, uh, and, um, uh, you know, what? when will people wake up to it? Uh, and the other one is um, they suspect that a recognised side effect was 70% of children that are vaccinated will be sterilised. And I, could, I sat there like that. And this Sir Graham Brady, he knew. He wasn't horrified. He wasn't surprised. He admitted, he said in front of all of us, I'm powerless to do anything. I'll do what I can, but I can't promise anything. And lo and behold, nothing's changed. You know, and I went to the meeting full of hope, thinking at last someone's listening. You know, as all these bodies were piling and all these youngsters dying. Uh, and no one's listening. No one's listening. He basically acknowledged what we told him. And nothing's changed. And now they're targeting five to 11-year-olds in schools. Do you know how many children I've had in in two years that have died from COVID? How many? None. None. Not one. So what is the need to start putting these gene therapies in children? It's because they want to sterilise them. Exactly what the scientists said and exactly what Sir Graham Brady wasn't surprised about. You know, so, so that's kind of where we are. Yeah. Uh, and, have, uh, you, 20, have you... 20, 20, John, have you had a lot of um, conversations with the families of these people dying, these young people? Have you sort of come up to them? Have you confirmed with them? Oh, yeah, are they, have, you, have they had the vaccine? Have you spoken to these people? Have you, yeah. have you posed the questions? Yeah, so it's a very difficult one, isn't it? And everyone's different. When they come in and they've lost their child, you know, a 28-year-old or a 23-year-old or a 32-year-old or a 46-year-old, um, you have to tread very carefully. You have to remember these people are grieving and they've lost a loved one, usually a a son or a daughter very young very quickly uh, and i'm not there to tell them they were murdered you know i'm there to look after them so if they broach the conversation i've had families who are blissfully unaware and it's not for me to start saying your child was murdered i'm there to look after them and if they bring it up then i'll talk to them about it once you feel it's safe to do so you know um but but um some of the families excuse me are very aware and they're very angry um and the coroner's it's a very interesting one because I, uh, for example, I spoke to a guy called Nick, right? He rang me, he's a mortuary manager from a big hospital down south. He'd been there 30 years. And this was before the government backed out. They said they're going to sack any NHS workers um, who won't take the poison. Now, you have to remember, there were 80,000 in the UK alone, 80,000 NHS workers that didn't want the protection. You know, they're on the front line dealing with this deadly pandemic, but would rather throw away their careers than take the protection. Why do people think that is? Because they sit and talk to these people that are dying who all tell the same story. We were fine until we had that job. That's why 80,000 NHS workers don't want the protection and would rather lose their careers. So yeah, we, this, we had a this, similar thing here, John, in, in this country. Yeah, there was... 
uh, was it like yeah, four surely... four thousand of them laid off in just one st- our state alone? I think it was. You know, like, it was just phenomenal numbers. Yeah, who didn't want to get the jab? Exactly. So this Nick, the mortuary manager, he said, um, you know, I've been a mortuary manager 30 years. I'm going to lose my job in April. Um, uh, He he said, but I wanted to tell you, you're right. And I've seen and he collates the numbers here uh, uh, in mortuary. So he is who comes through what they die of uh, and whether they're what's their vaccination status. You know, 600 percent increase in thrombosis deaths this year since they've been vaccinated. 600 percent. I spoke to a nurse who had 12 people on her ward with blood clots in her arms after being vaccinated. 12 people in one ward. This unheard of, unheard of, in numbers, unheard of. They're sending them home. They're sending them home. They're dying at home. I've got mates who do the coroner's um, contract. So the coroner's contract is for any sudden deaths at home where people pass away. It's a sudden death. The coroner has to be involved. So they're run off their feet because there's people suddenly keeling over all over the place. Now, the coroners are correctly documenting the deaths as a thrombosis death, whether that be an aneurysm where there's a blockage in the artery and the blood pressure bursts the artery. That's an aneurysm, a bleed, um, uh, uh, a stroke, which is we all know what that is in the brain, or a heart attack, yeah? So, or a pulmonary embolisms where the clots reach the lungs and they can't get their oxygen and they die. Um, now, they're correctly saying that's the cause of death, but they won't link it to the jab. And I wrote to the chief coroner of England because that's my job as a funeral director. If I um, have someone come in and I have suspicions that it's not, a, you know, there's something very wrong. My job, my obligation legally is to notify my coroner about my concerns. So I went to the chief coroner of England, you know. The chief coroner of England, I emailed him, I CC'd in 40 doctors and scientists into this email to put pressure on him to get a response. And I said, look, I'm seeing an alarming increase in the number of thrombosis deaths. I know you're aware of it. What are you doing? No reply. So I then emailed again four weeks later and I got a reply off the secretary saying we follow government policy. So they are correctly. And I looked at the paperwork because I have to check it. Thrombosis is put down but they will not mention the jabs. Even though some of these people were jabbed 90 minutes before, I looked after a 28 year old and she won't, the family won't mind me telling you, I can tell you because they want to scream it from the rooftops. Um, And she went into hospital for a minor procedure. They looked her records, saw she wasn't jabbed and coerced her in there by frightening her. Said, you know, you're in here, but there's loads of COVID patients in here. You'll catch it, you'll die. So they gave her the jab. She died 90 minutes later in the same hospital bed from um, a blood clot. Don't tell me that's not related. The family know they're frothing. Nobody's interested. Nobody's interested. This girl's been killed by Un- the state. Unbelievable. Un- unbelievable, yeah. these, these stories you're hearing. And and you're yeah. the one to hear this stuff too, you know what I mean? Like, it's just insane. Uh, Andy, yeah, I'll, I'll just just quickly throw to Andy quickly, mate. You you wanted to you had something to um, divulge as well because you've had some discussions with some of the funeral directors here in Australia that you've, you've dealt with. Are you seeing a similar thing, Andy? Mate, I've got, I've got, I've got absolute chills, man. I've got absolute chills in my spine hearing these stories, because it it correlates exactly what's happening here. Well, I'll tell you a, yeah. a little a conversation um, that was going through because, you know, we said off air like I'm, you know, I'm I'm aligned with the funeral industry in, in the services that we provide with the live streaming, right? So 
this is a private conversation with two funeral directors and they are saying to me that a really unusual event when they're they both concurred the same thing when they're preparing bodies not everyone but a lot when they're preparing bodies um they said that they drain they drain they drain the blood uh from the body through the major artery um in the groin area is that right yeah, the ephemeral right. artery and, and the uh, cartoid as well in the neck, yeah. but sometimes yeah. under the arms. Depends how clear the system is. Yeah. So what they're saying to me is that a thick jelly-like substance is like coagulating, like, subs- like blood, obviously, um, is, is, like, is like coming out. When, when, when that blood is coming out, is coming out, it's like a very, very unusual hard jelly type stuff is coming out with the with the regular blood so so it's not like what they would normally see in a normal body after however long it's usually been when they drain yeah. these bodies out this is yeah, yeah, like yeah. like draining out airplane jelly yeah dead blood yeah, well, doesn't, yeah. doesn't clot dead blood doesn't clot that's why if you have um for example uh, when you get people die in hospital and they've got um lines in them where they've been putting medicine in their arms you have to bind those, uh, those, those because they leak. They leak on their clothes, and the clothes act like blotting paper. So you have to. Sometimes they use the industry standard. These things like cling film and like a spray-on glue that covers the heart because dead blood doesn't clot. So there shouldn't right. be these blood clots in people. My embalmer's been complaining about this from day one, and he's been really struggling to embalm people. So, so um, uh, and more chillingly, I had a very interesting conversation. So I went to a place called Stoke Mandeville Hospital in Owlsbury. It's about 30 miles away, and it's not the usual place I go. I spoke to the staff in the mortuary and said, look, have you seen an increase in thrombosis deaths? And they were really matter-of-fact about it. I said, oh, yeah, loads in the jab, because it turns the blood to glue. And I kind of stood there for a minute in shock, because I didn't expect them to be so matter-of-fact about it. And I kind of said, well, don't you think you should be telling someone then? You know, because people are queuing up thinking it's going to save them. And they looked at me and went, and they're all double jabbed, you know, but they openly admitted loads of people have died from thrombosis because it turns the blood to glue. And that was the exact wording that this this girl used in there. So, um, yeah, it is something. uh, the, The patterns are not unique to me. I'm just the only one shouting about it. You know, um, all funeral directors will be seeing this. Some will have more more balls than others. I'll set myself Man, mute there. It's incredible. I just wanted to um, quickly screen share this. Now, this just goes along with, um, if I can remember how to do it, share screen. Here we go. Um, let me make sure I've got the right one here. Tell me when you can see my screen there, lads. I can't. You can, yep. Okay, so this this is a uh, document, just speaking to what you were talking about a little bit earlier with regards to the, the, the classification of people's death and coding their deaths. So this document was sent out around the world by the World Health Organization. I'll, um, I'll put a link in the show notes as well. Um, it is the International Guidelines for Certification and Classification Coding of COVID-19 as Cause of Death. All right based on the International Statistical Classification of Diseases. 16th of April, 2020, they sent this out. Now, I'll just scroll down a little bit here to page three. 
So number one, the purpose of the document. This document describes certification and classification of deaths related to COVID-19. The primary goal is to identify all deaths due to COVID-19. That right away sounds a bit sus. <laughs> uh, a simplified section specifically addresses the persons that fill in the medical certificates of cause of death. It should be distributed to certifiers separate from the coding instructions. Definition for deaths due to COVID-19. A, co a death due to COVID-19 is defined for surveillance purposes as a death resulting in, oh, sorry, death resulting from a clinically compatible illness in a probable or confirmed COVID-19 case. Keyword there, probable. Uh, unless there is a clear alternative cause of death that cannot be related to COVID disease, there should be no period of complete recovery from COVID-19 between illness and death. A death due to COVID-19 may not be attributed to another disease uh, like cancer and should be counted independently. Not that they were doing that anyway. Um, but the main part there was even if it is a probable, so it doesn't even have to be con confirmed. If they thought it might have been, they'll count it as. And this went out to every every whoever's part of the UN basically got a copy of this. Um, and it was also sent to, and I've got a, uh, a link here as well. So one of our listeners, Gazman, sent me these ones. Uh, so Australia, we've got here. So the ABS, Australian Bureau of Statistics, same thing. It was updated on the 25th of March, 2020. Guidance for certifying deaths. And it's basically the same thing that was in that document that we saw before. Again, I'll put the links to these in the show notes as well. So it's just crazy. That's They... they Basically, admit right there. I'll, I'll end the screen share there. Uh, stop sharing. There we go. Do you know, I do um, wonder. The, the one thing that puzzles me is when these people look at themselves in the mirror and they realize they're genocidal maniacs responsible for hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of deaths. It beggars belief. How do they live with themselves? Mm. Oh, we ask that question constantly. Where, where does the moral compass lie? You know, where is it pointing to? Like, it's ridiculous. But I just wanted to sort of reiterate the point that you made earlier about classifications of death and so forth. And, and that's not a, you know, that, that's not just you saying that. That there is information that was handed down to everyone, or basically everyone around the world from the WHO a saying... Directive. Yeah, it was a directive. Yeah, it was a directive. That's right. They said, change the way you write your death certificates. The way you do the coding, we want to see COVID placed here instead of here. And we want it on there for everything. Even if it was a probable thing, we want it on there. So it makes the statistics go through the roof. And of course, like I mentioned um, at the beginning of the episode, the Australian Bureau of Statistics has now come out uh, collating the information for the last two years and basically said, nope, 83, 83 deaths, uh, they're going to say, directly attributed to COVID-19. And apparently the died with deaths for COVID-19 was only around 2,300 odd as well. So it's, it's so, I mean, there were, there were more deaths, John, due to accidental Suicide. falls. No, no, just people yeah. falling over and dying. Like as in old people, just accidental falls. You know what I mean? Like just things like that. There were so many more deaths due to other things. And look what they did. Look what they did to the world. Look what they did to us. And of course, we're not, we're no different. This is the same. Everyone around the world will see the same statistics happening. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, just yeah, it's just incredible. Just crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, Andy, what else have you have you um, come across in terms of uh, 
the funeral director people that you know of, um, you know, co co I guess collaborating, sorry, not collaborating, corroborating uh, what uh, John's been sort of saying as well. Is it everything as you've said is in line, but is there any, anything else you wanted to add? Uh, well, just probably since the booster thing has been like being rolled out into the community, we've definitely seen a massive uptick in young people and sports people. Yeah. And, and it's definitely definitely uh, coincided with the rollout of this booster thing. Yeah, so they didn't get in with the first one, and they didn't get in with the second one. <laughs> they're getting mm. in with the third one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, uh, yeah. they're announcing the fourth one now, aren't they? That's you know? right, yeah. So, so um, only if you're silly enough to take it, guys, you know. Yeah. I would say to you, uh, I mean, I watched a video a little while ago that broke my heart. It was a guy in his 30s. Um, American guy laying in a hospital bed and he had tubes going everywhere and he'd had five heart attacks, five cardiac arrests and, and he was still convinced, you know, he said, imagine what would happen if I hadn't have had the jab. <laughs> you know, and I've kind of accepted, uh, unfortunately, you're not going to be able to save everyone. You're not going to be able to save them. People will die. People will die. Yeah. Um, and I don't doubt they'll go to their grave still blaming people like us. Unbelievable. Yeah. Crazy, crazy That's stuff. Really, it's the really sad. Thing. It's really sad. Yeah. It's really sad. It's yeah, hard enough. It's being been a so director. hard struggling with that. Yeah, it's 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 hard enough being a funeral director, but when you're looking after people that you know have been murdered, you know, and there's no justice for these people. There's no justice for these people because these people, you only have to look at the faces on your premier, for example, as they speak. They know. They know what they've done. They know what they've done. They've lost their soul. Their soul to the devil. Are you ever going to see justice for these people? You know, are you ever going to bring these people to justice? Well, I don't think so. We want them to, no. but no. no, they just, they just, um, well, I, I refer to it as an exit strategy, John. What they seem to do is they'll get embroiled in some sort of corruption or, you know, something stupid out of the ordinary. And then all of a sudden they've got to resign from their post, you know, because they're doing, they're doing what they're the right thing to do. They're falling on their sword and they'll resign because of the, corruption of something non-related to COVID at all um, and then before you know it they've then got a job with you know Pfizer or, or a telecommunications company yeah. or you know <laughs> the, the, they just get a lobbying job or whatever it is you know what I mean um, who was it Ethan um, Ethan uh, that recently got a job with um, one of the telecommunications do you remember Ethan who that was um, yeah old, uh, Gladys Berejiklian oh, that's right the New, New South Wales Premier yeah She's stepped out, now heading as uh, director of Optus is her next role. A common <laughs> theme. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like Vodafone here in Australia, you know, voting out of big telecommunications companies there, uh, John. Yeah, Optus is um, one of the two big ones, one of the three big ones in Australia. Yeah, so she she got it. She had to step down because of a corruption uh, thing, and, uh, and yeah, after everything she did to, uh, to the people of New South Wales, um, there we go, yeah. How do they live with themselves? I just can't understand how you can live with yourself and look at yourself in the mirror. And, you know, how do you feel you've done these people a service? Well, the world, there are evil people in the world, John. You know what I mean? Evil people will do evil things and they don't have a moral compass. They don't, they lack empathy. There is something inside them that, that can, that just pushes that aside. They don't feel the way we feel. You know what I mean? They feel differently about people, about the world. Um, that's how they do it, I believe. You know, they don't feel what we feel. I've often wondered that, you know, do these people, I mean, these are people that are maiming and killing children. Mm. Do they look at other people's children 
and then go home and look at their own children and see anything different. I just can't understand well, the mindset. It, it, it's, to me, it's more about um, they're conditioned that way from a very young age. You know what I mean? A prime yeah, example would be the World Economic Forum. You know what I mean? They're, I they're, just about you took the words out my Well, there you go. Yeah. The young leaders or whatever it is of the World Economic Forum. And look at how many of those are in power around the world right now. I mean, the Prime Minister of New Zealand is one of them. You know, like Vladimir Putin was one of them. Like all these people, even the Prime Minister, I think, of Ukraine was one of them as well. But our president, I should say. But um, all these people, yeah, they're in, they now sit in positions of power. They are conditioned. They are groomed. You know, much the way these... Uh, pedophiles groom children, you know, to to be comfortable with, you know, nudity and sex and stuff. You know what I mean? That's they do. They groom them at a very young age. When they're impressionable, they they dazzle them with a lifestyle that they think that they they show them. Like, this is the lifestyle you can have. You can fly anywhere, do anything. You become part of us. You become part of the elite. And yeah, I, I believe that there are probably probably more to it than that. With things like you know, perhaps ritual ceremonies and things that they can then. Uh, they, they put them through or they do with them that, that basically is uh, symbolic of getting rid of uh, empathy and, and care for other human beings, you know what I mean? That's, uh, that's what I believe anyway. Yeah. And it also then, I suppose, ties them in, doesn't it, where they're, they're committed then. You know, yeah. Once they compromise the their That's the other thing. One, that, they they compromise them, yeah. 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 yeah, that's part of the modus operandi. Once they're compromised, they uh, become part of the club, you know what I mean? That's how they do it. That's how I believe, anyway. Um, now, John, anything? What? So, what's next, mate? You're still doing what you're doing. You're still seeing, you know, the same thing happening. You're still seeing death. You're still seeing destruction because of these well, shots and boosters. What's next, mate? It's it's really it seems to come in waves where you know you'll be really busy and then it leaves off. And at the moment, I've just started a period of the last two weeks. Really, it's been really quiet. You know, um, usually this time of the year, I would have about eight or ten in and at the moment we've got just three it's been really really quiet since the end of january really since the end of january um and that's not just me that's all funeral directors so i i kind of um i think nature's got a way of balancing itself out is that it? because so, it's also warmer and yeah, it's it's summer over there so you, uh, no, no wait I a minute think, it's um, not summer it's it's bloody winter over there isn't it yes yeah, it's, it's spring it's just coming up to spring oh so there you go yeah I think it's a combination of that and it's a combination of also they probably took their, their foot off the gas a little bit because um, when these thrombosis deaths are being noted, if you're controlling what batch is going out and somebody somewhere is, you know, you've got to step back off the pedal, haven't you? Because you don't want that, you know, when you've got 300 footballers dying on national television, all from thrombosis, you know, people are going to start to wake up, aren't they? Mm. So, so I, I, and I've, um, I mean, even really in, in the role that I do, the amount of people I've had, one person who came to see me, his wife, uh, his mum went blind. Another guy, he had a shot and was paralysed from the waist down. So they gave him a second shot and then found him dead at home the following day. Um, this, uh, another girl came in and she'd had um, uncontrollable menstrual bleeding after. You know, and that's something that I've read and heard of um, that's been well documented. And that, in effect, is sterilizing them, you know, because, it, it, you know, obviously that disrupts the likelihood of them having any children, doesn't it? Mm. Um, I, I've had a large number of people reach out to me, doctors, nurses, politicians, um, police, uh, military guys, all, all number, all manner of people. One of them was a girl called Michelle. She's a, a, a nurse. She's been a nurse for nearly 30 years. And she's an agency nurse. She goes all over the place. And she was telling me some horrific stories. Um, 
Uh, and to give you an idea of the content, she closed by saying this. She said, they clapped us on doorsteps, and when they find out what we've done, they'll stone us to death. So, so you know, that kind of gives you an idea of what's been going on inside these hospitals. You know, um, it's, it's um, uh, you know, people say, well, why are they doing it? I think for a number of reasons. I think a number of them have left. Um, I think a number of them um, have switched off. Um, and some of them are just doing what they're told to do. And, and we saw that in the Nuremberg trials, if you look back. I only did what I was told to do. You know, it doesn't make you innocent, I'm afraid. You know, it makes you complicit. Just, just following parts. orders. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. So, so um, you know, I do like to think that these huge prisons they're building everywhere, um, we can put them in there. Uh, and, you know, the, these prisons they're building for us, clearly. Um, you know, yeah, we've seen those here. They've got, a, they've got these new quarantine. Ethan... Um, What's the, um, you sort of covered this, they've got these very Orwellian terms as well, John. Um, the, there's one in uh, Queensland, I think one in New South Wales. Ethan, do you remember what they're, you know what they're called, what are they? Yeah, we've got the well camp up here in Queensland <laughs> to, to keep you nice and well. Very Orwellian term. And, and the National uh, Resilience Centres. National, that's one of my favourites, the National Resilience Centre. Yeah, and it's a camp. Yeah. It's a quarantine camp, like it's a prison. <laughs> Fuck me. It's interesting um, that the, the guy, the pandemic guy, was faking all the COVID deaths. He mentioned resilience in his company name. Oh, something there you go. Resilience. Yeah, yeah so resilience, yeah. I think they have a template they have to work to, like build back better and all that bullshit, you know. It's um, quite predictable and, and quite chilling and very pathetic, you yeah. know, what pathetic lives these people lead, really. That that is their goal, that is their only aim, is to hurt and maim and kill. How pathetic. You John, know, what, John, are you um, are you kind of you know cataloging and recording um, and compiling a, a whole bunch of information? Are you going to try and put this in in book form? Are you going to try and get this out there in another way? I mean, I know you've done a lot of interviews and um, you put a bit of information out there, but uh, is there anything on the cards? Do you think of of something written down that someone can maybe publish one day and and show the world that exactly what someone in your position sees? To be honest with you, it's, it's um, I'm a man of principle, and money doesn't. Uh, oh, no, no, I'm not speaking I... of a monetary term. I'm just thinking in yeah, terms of reaching yeah, so more the, people so as well. The, so the publishing thing, I've not really thought about. I've I've kind of talked to as many people as I can because it's very important to to get that the message out there of what's actually going on i've been offered large sums of money not to speak you know uh, okay now I, that was in, i did hear you mention that now just tell the listeners what that's about so um i received an email in fact let me i copied and pasted it onto a text form and just to reiterate for the listeners out there you said you you were offered money not to say not to speak out correct yeah, so basically I received an email from a lady called Yvonne Myers who purported to be from RT Media. Um, and basically they, what she offered me was 85000 to give them my story um, exclusively um, and they would tie me in with lawyers exclusively to them. So the idea being that they then offer that to the various networks globally and the various networks globally are just not going to show that, are they? Do you know, any, uh, you, you know they've all signed a deal to be complicit um, with what they report. Mm. So the, the story then goes in the bottom drawer and I can't talk to anyone else about it because I'm legally bound to them. Mm. So that was the email I received and that was in, I'm just looking at the email now, uh, the 12th of September, um, 2021. So yeah, that was, um, and, and, but to be honest with you, I make my own money. I don't need dirty money. 
Um, and, and this is never about money. This is about caring for people. Yeah. You know, because um, your family, I, we've never met. Your family is just as important as my family. Why would I not tell you if I saw something terrible happening? In the same way as watching a blind man walk across a busy road. You wouldn't stand there and watch him cross, would you? These no. people would. Yeah. You know, these people would. Um, I wouldn't. I would. I would um, go and do what I could. Um, uh, and people have said to me, you know, you're not worried. And uh, no, not really. If I was worried, I wouldn't have said anything. You know, fuck them. What can they do to me? Um, what can they do? I've had. I'm 54 years old, so I've lived two thirds of my life. Would I mm. lie another 20 years? Of course I would. You know, uh, it'll either happen or it won't. But you know, I'm not going to ignore it and not say anything. I care too much about people. And fuck them if they don't like it. Come and get me then. You know, um, I've, yeah, I, it's just humanity is at stake here uh, and people need to know what's going on. And it's very interesting to see how suddenly, certainly in this country, COVID has evaporated from the news. Yeah, that's what now, I wanted to sort of get into that next, actually. It's all about war now. You know, there's no COVID anymore. It's unbelievable. You know, it's... it's that's why I mentioned it, John. That's the new strain, the Warcon. <laughs> I, I just can't believe, and I, I do think um, as time goes on, a sense of great awakening where even if people don't buy into really what's going on, they know in their hearts something is terribly wrong, something is not right. And that's the start because you start asking questions, then you start looking a bit deeper. And these people are waking up en masse. There's no one at this point in time that's buying into COVID. They're all jumping ship and buying into what's really going on. Yeah, you and know, now they, we've they, we've seen you guys have uh, in the UK, in, well UK pretty much as a whole now, but definitely in England because we've spoken to uh, uh, a good fan of the show, a good friend of the show, John Hamer, who's an author over there in England. Um, yeah, and yeah, John was telling us there basically, yeah, they've you've got nothing, you have no restrictions, you don't have to worry about masks and and vaccine mandates, although it's all still there and they all still recommend it. Um, but you don't have anything, any of these sort of, you know, legal responsibilities where you've got to be jabbed to go to a pub and all that sort of stuff. See, we're still in that sort of at the moment now here in Australia. However, they are starting to peel a lot of that back. They're all starting to, you know, they've removed the sort of this QR check-in, except, except for the vaccinated people when they go to the pubs and stuff, they still have to check in, but people like myself who aren't vaxxed, we don't have to check in anywhere. Um, yeah, you know, there's all this sort of stuff. They're removing all this. this it's, it, is, it is coming back a bit here in Australia. Of course, um, no one should rest on their laurels, and I think it'll cut back no. down again soon enough. Yeah, of course it will. In a heartbeat. Um, now, yeah. As soon as they say a new variant, probably between two and five years, when people start falling over en masse, from um, decimated immune systems and there's been talk of hiv tests um, being rolled out for people hasn't there yeah big push. we talked about they, it on our last show i think there was eight hiv proteins put in some of these vaccines well you know when these people start falling over they're not going to say oh it's a long-term result of a decimated immune system it's a new variant so they'll bring these things in in a heartbeat and people will buckle straight away they'll go oh, okay then we're back to where we were i fucking won't you know yeah yeah, COVID's not going anywhere uh, anytime soon. It'll um, it'll hit the back burner for a little bit, and once this so-called war is, um, you know, the, this uh, wag the dog war that's happening right now. If this, um, yeah, when it eventuates and it finishes, I mean, they were. I had a look at the previous headlines leading up to this, and it was about two to three weeks ago when they actually started beating the the drums of war a bit more about you know Russia invading Ukraine, all this sort of business. 
you know, it's, it's actually been going for a little while now. So um, give it another couple of weeks, maybe, or another couple of days. Who knows? But it'll drag on a little bit. Um, and then before you know it, it'll be something to probably to do with, um, my guess is the next thing will be the, the, the switch over to the digital currency. That's probably one of the big things. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. All of this I stuff think, is waiting uh, in the wings, you know. Well, it was very interesting because a little while ago, they changed all of the notes in Europe to plastic money. And I think that's going to be the stand they're going to take. It's going to say, you know, this plastic money is transmitting disease. So we're going to pull it to save you all. You know, get rid of your terrifyingly dangerous money. You've got until X date to put it into the bank. It'll be credited to your account. And then we're going to go um, digital only. And it's, been, yeah. it's been going that way. You know, and then you're talking about social credit system. And there we are. We've got the Chinese model um, and utter control. Mm. Step out of line, freeze your assets. Speak out of line, freeze your assets. You know, it's, it's um, the beginning of the end unless we collectively stop it from happening, you know. And I, I feel very encouraged to see that's exactly what people have been doing all over the world, you mm -hmm. know. So keep fighting the fight, guys, you know, keep fighting the fight. Actually, there's one thing I did, um, I forgot to touch on too, um, um, was with regards to um, the whole Medazalem thing too. Um, we didn't. We didn't. I, I did mention it, but we didn't actually get to it. Would, would, can we just sort of step, take a quick step back, and if you can just quickly remind the, the listeners what, what what that was about? Yeah. So in um, in the UK, this was the only period in 2020 where there was a very brief blip um, and an increase in deaths, um, more of a, an unusual pattern than an increase. So um, in February, March, we had a toad. Uh, who worked in Westminster called Hancock, uh, <laughs> yeah. and he said um, he said that COVID patients were due to be transferred to um, care homes, and that these care homes would be hotbeds for COVID. They'd be targeted by this virus. And I remember at the time thinking, well, how the fuck does a virus target specific buildings? You know, it's over <laughs> out there, or it isn't. You know, but lo and behold, the phone started ringing. Um, and now, as a society, we're very good at getting people to pass away in hospitals, um, especially now with the clinical choices they seem to be making. But if I, for example, if I picked up 10 people that had passed away, eight of them would be in hospitals in, where they passed away in a hospital environment. One would be at a residential address where, for example, you get a cancer patient who had gone home to die and they had a district nurse visiting, tweaking their, their morphine driver or whatever. And one would be in a care home. And the phone started ringing. And this was between March and April. We had a three-week period where the phone was constantly ringing for care homes. And I had three weeks where I never had a whole night's sleep. And remember, I'm only a small family funeral run. You know, I'm only a small outfit. I would imagine people, uh, I mean, to give you an idea of how unusual it was to be out every night for three weeks exclusively to care homes. When I worked for Cooperative Funeral Care, I did 10 years there, as I mentioned earlier, and they've got 50, 60% market share. I never once went to care homes three nights on the trot. Never once. You know, it was impossible statistically. It just didn't work like that. And yet here I am as a small family-run funeral home, and I'm in a care home every night for three weeks, just after he said it would happen. You know, I might I'm going to ask Hancock for lottery numbers, I think. You know, um, yeah, this guy knew with amazing foresight, with soothsayer-like powers he's got. Uh, and these poor souls, you know, none of them, um, they were all labelled as COVID deaths. None of them had a COVID test done. None of them had a doctor present. And on occasion, I saw little vials of midazolam left on sides. And it's very interesting because um, a lot of these are publicly run um, care homes. So the way that works is, is public money that's spent 
in these care homes. Now, midazolam is a drug that's primarily used in care homes. Now, to, to explain to the viewers or to the listeners who don't know, midazolam is a sedative. It's used primarily in care homes, but also in the medical environment. It's used as one of the cocktail of drugs used in lethal injection. So one of the four drugs they use is midazolam. Um, and there's a certain amount purchased for the amount of care homes and the amount of people in them. And there's um, because it's public money, there's a history of that and what's been bought in. You know, you can follow. There's a paper trail for the purchase. Well, in, in 2020, the amount of midazolam purchased went up between 350 and 1000 percent. And it correlated perfectly with the peaks in death rate. So what they've been doing basically is murdering these people with midazolam overdoses. And I've spoke to nurses who were told by senior um, clinical managers in hospitals to give 60 milligram doses. Um, they knew that that was a fatal dose. And many of the nurses burst into tears, especially the Filipinos, because they're particularly caring people. Um, and nurses have recounted those stories to me of being instructed to, uh, under the guise of it being merciful, you know, um, you can Google euthanasia now. It's illegal. It's murder. That's what they were being told to do. And that's what was being done. And that, I don't doubt it's still being done. Yeah, absolutely. To me, it sounds like you know, in this whole great scheme, it it really sounds like to me they really wanted to get rid of a certain um, age group. You know, anything sort of from, I guess, the 70s onwards. Yes, the seaters. Cor correct. They wanted to get rid of this yeah. classification of our of our retirees, people who are on pensions, people who are in enjoying their superannuations, all this sort of stuff. You know, they wanted to get rid of this because a lot of them are also you know infirm. They're in hospitals, they're in hospices, they're in care homes, nursing homes, whatever you want to call it. A lot of these people are under care as well, putting great strain, I guess, on the system. But the system, it shouldn't be a great strain for the system. The system should be there to to. A to help these people through the end of their life transition, you know what I mean? Um, but they've uh, they've plundered all the pension pots. Correct, that's right. There. Because they've got nothing. There's nothing there to pay these people. You know what I mean? So they no, need to kind so of get rid of this generation. Gone. Correct. Get rid of them. Then you've only well, a large chunk of them at least anyway. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know. I don't really see that we're seeing that kind of numbers actually passing away well, here you know we we are seeing a lot of that age group are the ones that are dying but to be honest in the in the age groups john that a particular age group that has apparently died of or with covid here in australia they're actually they've actually died um above the life expectancy here in australia they're actually above the average all these people that have died who apparently died with or of covid or whatever um so it's quite interesting that um yeah they're actually outliving the the, the actual average to be honest so it's kind of strange, but we're not seeing mass die-offs here. We're, we're like sort of what you were noticing in the UK as well. Um, the, the, the statistics weren't backing up what they were saying. There wasn't a whole bunch of deaths. There wasn't a whole bunch of deaths yeah. from these viruses. There is, of course, of course, more now we're seeing because of the, the vaccine that's been rolled out. Um, but even then, I haven't quite seen the... Um, I haven't actually looked up that data myself, to be honest. Anyone who's listening, if you wanted to throw that in and, uh, in the comments of this when it goes out, please do. But I haven't seen anything to say that, you know, 2022 deaths are so far above the average of what would normally have died in this particular year on any other given year. You know, I haven't quite seen that information. Um, perhaps more so around the world, perhaps more so in England, maybe. You guys have seen more of a population reduction happening. Uh, I'm just not quite seeing it here in Australia myself. 
It was very interesting, actually, because um, as I touched on before, 2020, there was no death increase. There was a three-week period where they peaked using midazolam in care homes. Mm. And despite their best efforts, overall, the death rate was still lower than 2019. Yeah. And it got to kind of November, December. And I remember thinking to myself, this fucking thing is hot. It's bullshit. And, and I started speaking out about my concerns. And I openly said to a few people, they um, openly said here they were going to start jabbing people in January and give out these life-saving jabs, you know. And I kind of said to a few people, I bet the moment needles go in arms, the death rate soars. And they all laughed at me. And lo and behold, we came back to work on the 2nd of January in 2021. Oh, I've never seen the death rate like it. That's the first time I saw pandemic levels of death rate uh, was the moment they put needles in arms mm. and it was undeniable i would say 300 percent increase and that went on for about 12 weeks and then it went and it's almost like they'd run out of that batch you know yeah and, right <laughs> yeah 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 and then it was amazingly quiet for about four or five months um and you know that's the only time i ever saw it you know um and it was undeniable it was under it wasn't be just me it wouldn't I never slept for we I was out every night, you know, picking up mm. but this wasn't all care homes, it was a mixed bag. So it was people in hospitals and you know, whoever was getting a jab. That's yeah. why. You know, um yeah, yeah, that's a hundred percent definite. It was down to the jab. I know it was because I the phone started ringing off the hook. Yeah. The mo go. the moment needles went in arms. Yeah, it's a direct correlation, of course, and it's obvious to anyone. Oh. Really, when you look at it, and it should be obvious to people, but um, for some, it's still right over their heads. You know, they don't even see that that correlation at all. Um, we might start to wind up our conversation with yourself, so you can uh, get on with the rest of your day. I'll just throw to uh, Andy first of all. If, Andy, if you're still there, if you haven't drowned in uh, in the monsoon we're experiencing right now. <laughs> uh, anything you'd like to wrap up um, for our guests uh, this evening, Andy? Uh, look, thank. Thanks so much, John, for your time. It's like uh, it's been really, really good and, and really enlightening to sort of join two opposite sides of the world with the same story. It's in, it's incredible. Um, and, and you know, like we touch on on politicians and, and how evil they are and all of this sort of thing. But like, I just the big problem is the mass hypnosis with the people. The problem is the people, and and uh, mm. and. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a term coined a lot, mass hypnosis, but it really is like that because people yeah, can't critically yeah. think. Like a you know? cognitive dissonance, isn't it? Yeah. You know, um, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, um, one of the saddest things I see is people right here, and it is fading away now, but people in cars on their own driving with a mask on, on their own. Yeah, yeah. still see or that here too, own, mate. Or with their own family members with a mask on. I feel so sorry for them because... Mm. Um, I, I resist the urge to call them stupid. They're not. These are the people we need to re-engage so that they see the truth. Will they ever see the truth? I really don't know. I really don't know. Um, they are victims of crime. Yeah, good point. After two years, after two years, it's a struggle, isn't it? We've well, had two years know, of this bullshit. And they said, um, I mean, I was there at the meeting in Westminster. They said between two and five years for anyone who's had that third type of jab, this, this one that bangs the immune system, so um, theoretically, my age group would have been June, July, August of this year, just gone for the first one. Um, and then the second one just before Christmas. I think next year onwards, we're going to see a high death rate and, and people will wake up and they'll become very 
um, animated as they find out what's been happening. And that's what these big prisons are being built for. And that was put to Sir Graham in Westminster. And he said, he acknowledged that. He said, yes, we agree. He said, the government are not surprised. They, they're prepared for it. And, and um, they're surprised it hasn't happened already. And that was, you know, that was relayed to us by Mark Sexton. He told Mark that as he walked him back to the car after mm. the meeting. So, so they know that's what these big prisons are for, for the ones that kick off when they're not happy with people, with, you know, dying as a result of jabs. They'll realise, they will realise. Um, I think sometimes, you know, it's a little bit of the ostrich thing, isn't it? Where if something's too horrible to be true, it isn't true, it can't be true, and I'm not listening. Yeah. That's what they do. You know, they bury their head in the sand. Um, when they start dying... They will realise. They're going to realise, and they're going to be very upset. Are they going to be in a position where they can fight when they're sick and ill? Not really. The ones that are will be locked up. Hmm. Anything else, Andy? It's a pretty sobering thought. Uh, it's a pretty sobering thought. Uh, you know that you mentioned, uh, and you know I can't, I can't disagree with you. But it's, it's extremely sobering and upsetting to think that you know, that in potentially five years' time that that level of humanity could be could be just wiped off the yeah, planet. we might need to touch base with John again if he starts seeing numbers go through the roof. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, do you know, I'm, I'm only an undertaker, so I can only tell you what happened to me. But mm. that was what was told to us by these scientists at that meeting. And I watched literally reams of evidence go down. This Instagram, his face told the story. He knew. He knew. He wasn't horrified. He wasn't surprised because he knew. Mm. And I suspect... Um, the feeling was that he was sitting with us to find out and report back what we knew. Was he complicit? No, I don't think he was, but I think he's powerless to do anything. He knows what's going to happen, um, and he's the seat on the ark for him and his loved ones, probably. Yeah. Ethan, um, let's cross over to uh, to yourself there, brother. Um, just anything further for our guest before he uh, leaves us for this evening or for today? Yeah, no, fascinating uh, conversation, General. It was great to peel back some of the layers of some of the people that work behind, you know, some of the things we've spoken about, the Epsilon agenda, everything that's happening. He's touched on sterilisation and what he is seeing on the ground there. And as Andy said, it correlates with some funeral directors that he has been with. So groundbreaking information, and uh, it's uh, it's very interesting yeah, it to really solidifies unravel. It, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, it really shows you that this is happening, and we'll just have to track where this is going and, and see what happens into the future but i'm sure uh there's been some great food for thought for all of the listeners today um so thank you to everyone and yeah, yeah. nothing more else to say mate just really enjoyed it all right so i'll get andy, say, andy and ethan just uh, before sorry john just before you have your final say there brother uh andy and ethan when john leaves i'll get you to just hang around in the call for me sorry john back to you yeah, so uh, I was going to just, just touch on the fact about other funeral directors. I've had around 70 or 80 other funeral directors um, reach out to me in various positions within the industry, and they all agree. Um, I've even had them tap me on the shoulder at the local crematorium and thank me for speaking out. And I kind of say to them, well, that's great. How about you speaking out? And they look at the floor and they shuffle their feet. And, you know, oh, well, we get the sack and my manager this and that. And, you know, when you're like, um, so they are well aware. My pattern in my funeral home is not unique. They've all been through the same. Some of them have got more backbone than others. I've had emails from Canada or Australia from funeral homes all saying the same thing. Some of them have, have um, had the jabs and they're now telling me how they've got chest pains and living on aspirin constantly. There was one from, uh, where was it? Uh, somewhere in Canada. I, I could I could have a look. But, um, yeah, he kind of said to me, you know, I took the first jab and I'm living on aspirin now. 
you know, so because so, they wouldn't let him go in care homes to collect deceased without a job. So oh, they've yeah. been coerced and yeah, yeah. they've been blackmailed and bullied and threatened and you know that's not life-saving medicine. That's blackmail and you know I, I just hope that I've gone some way to saving some lives somewhere. And hopefully, you know, if we can get through this, I'd love to come over to Australia because um, you know, the Australians are wonderful people. And uh, as I said earlier, that's why I spoke out because I saw what was going on over there. It's got to stop. It's got to stop. Yeah, well, I believe they're um, starting to remove the restrictions on unvaxxed uh, holiday makers. So <laughs> come on over yeah. and spend some money here, mate, and revive our um, dying um, tourism industry. <laughs> Have a well-deserved holiday. Come come to sunny Queensland and enjoy the monsoon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much, John. I really do appreciate your time. Um, it's wonderful that someone in your position has the ability to speak out and the balls to do so, mate. Um it is. It is incredible information and, and the things that you have seen and that you're um, you know you're not afraid to kind of bring that to light, mate. So please keep doing it. I I I would urge you. I know you may not have the time to do so, but maybe start talking to people. Maybe maybe get someone to help write it or or just to compile it or get this down. It needs to be recorded and it needs to be put in in print, mate. I think um, yeah, there's enough information there to warrant something, even if, even a small book or a booklet or, or something that can be written in a historical record that can say, look. This is a perspective of what we've seen. We this is we can give you legitimate information of how we've been lied to. We can show you the dirty tactics. We can prove all of this sort of stuff. You know what I mean? Um, something to think about anyway for for yourself there, mate. Um, if I, I, know, I know if I was in your position, that's something I would definitely want to do. But that's just me because we like to write stuff down. But uh, no, um, you are right. I, I think um, one of the things that I've been very I I, um, I don't want to earn a penny out of it. You know, so that's donate it. Yeah, if you may, if there's yeah. any money coming yeah, yeah. in to cover your costs, and then just you know put it to another cause, help help families out that have yeah. been you know uh, hit by this ridiculous disease. Ah, uh, not disease, uh, ridiculous. Um, well, I guess they're getting diseases now because of these vaccines. But you know what I mean. If you put it to a yeah, good yeah, cause, yeah. you know. Well, um, uh, do you know if there's any Australian um, people out there that are, uh, are into doing that kind of thing or whatever, please reach out. Um, perhaps we'll get something sorted out. You know. Mm. Good. Food for thought anyway, mate. Um, keep it in the yeah, back yeah, of your mind. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, definitely urge you to. And also, whatever you've got written or on emails or, you know, if, if it's down digitally, back that shit up, print it, you know, have hard copies. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because yeah, it doesn't take um, a genius to hack into someone and start deleting stuff. And before you know it, it's gone. And it's just only hearsay. It's your word against someone else's. But uh, if you've got something to back it up on a hard copy, then, yeah, evidence is there, mate. All right, well, we'll let you go, brother. Thank you again for joining us uh, on the show. I'll, I'll um, if you Thank wouldn't, you, no worries. Enjoy the rest of your day over there in England, mate. Um, and hopefully we'll talk again soon, mate. I'll Thanks, let you John. go. Yeah, you know what I mean if you need me. And um, thank you for all you're doing as well because it's without your platform, it's just a story, isn't it? You know? yeah. uh, and I want to say to the people of Australia, um, don't think that we're not fighting for you guys as well over there. I'm fighting too for now and I've, I'm... I'm making a lot of effort to try and get these this madness to stop awesome thanks mate god bless you mate take care guys Cheers. all righty john's out of the call um gentlemen thank you uh for spending the time this evening with our guest i do appreciate it um I just wanted to, to sort of touch on without without John um, in the conversation, just with regards to obviously, yeah, all the bullshit we're seeing in the in the mainstream media, um, with regards to the you know, war, the the drums of war are being oh, beaten yeah. once again, boys. 
Um, yeah, so I've I've been making an effort to to collate a whole bunch of all the fakery that I've been seeing at the moment. So I'll um, I'll put that together and, and and put it out there for the listeners as well. You know, uh, a lot of stuff. All, all the mainstream media putting out things like um, you know showing footage of. For example, explosions and bombs and things happening and, you know, um, oh, the Russians are attacking this city. And then when you when someone analyzes it, they realize it's actually footage from, for, ex- for example, this particular one I've got was from an uh, explosion in 2015 in China. And it's the exact same one they're saying was in, U- in Ukraine at the moment. Um, another one from India. And yet they're saying it's from Ukraine. Typical. Yep. Then we've got this... This woman, she's been plastered over about 16, I think, different newspapers with her bloodied face and bandaged up, and yet it's the same woman from a gas explosion in 2018. Um, exact same woman with the same injuries and the same hair and the same jacket on it looks like as well, but it's from 2018. Um, there was, I've got also footage from, uh, looks like a, a, a street cam looking down on a street, and they're side by side, and They've inserted an explosion in the background to make it look like there was bombs going off in the background and someone's released the actual footage. Um, what else have I got here? Uh, that's all Moderna Pfizer stuff. Here we go. Photo shows Israeli airstrikes in Gaza, not Russia attack on Ukraine. Um, more of that sort of stuff. Oh, this one's brilliant. I want to <laughs> put this up to the camera. Hopefully you guys can see it. Might not show it. Hang on, I'll stand in front of it. Can you guys see that? Yeah, yep. Those are those are cardboard cutouts of guns. <laughs> they are, they are, oh, man. they are fake guns. <laughs> yeah, they're literally like or or yeah, like plywood or something. But they're cardboard cutouts of, of guns of AK-47s. And Fox News is saying, words. "Yep, Ukrainian civilians take up arms. <laughs> 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 they're not going to fucking kill many people with pieces of fucking wood or cardboard." I tell you now. Um, <laughs> And of course, all the manipulation. So we're seeing, you know, news outlets with reporters from around the world, with their, you know, bulletproof vests on, the helmets on, and yet people in the background are just walking around, going about their business, doing the shopping, you know, taking pictures of the fucking scenery. You know, like, <laughs> uh, they're just drum- drumming up the fear as per usual. Um, another one here: Ukraine, the exact same explosion, seven years apart. So apparently there was a uh, explosion in Ukraine in 2015. From I'm not sure what the actual incident was, but the CNN's using it as an explosion from now. Um, then there's also imagery from coming out all over the place, and people are sharing it of the Ukrainian president who's fighting on the front lines, and he's pictured in you know, his, I saw that. yeah, he's pictured <laughs> in his vests and his helmet, and he's walking around with the military. Uh, except when you actually look at the headlines from when it was actually put out, it was from back in September, I think, uh, from uh, 2021 or December 2021. So it was from a few months ago. It wasn't. It wasn't even recent. Um, but yet they're talking about yeah, show, trying to show the world that the Ukrainian president has taken up arms and is helping the fight. Blah blah blah. So I'm just sort of collating all of this fakery that's happening at the moment, so we can expose it. Uh, shortly and it's coming out yeah that that was over the last two days i've garnered all that sort of shit it's just more and more coming out um obviously we've got to be careful because there's also some fake fake stuff out there there's you know people you know images of guys saying that they died in two separate occasions however it was put up by uh cnn ukraine and cnn afghanistan but those 
outlets don't exist. They were actually created by a Reddit shit poster. So there's a few. There's a little bit of fake shit of fake shit out there. Uh, people trying to just get the get the laughs and all that sort of stuff. So people just be aware of all that sort of thing. If you're listening, folks, um, if you do see it, um, definitely be skeptical, skeptical, and, and try and do a bit of research on it before you start spreading any other misinformation as well and adding to the mess. Um, you know, I, even I've been caught out with that shit in the past, so you've got to try and be more careful. Uh, anyway, yeah, Ethan, uh, have you been noticing uh, a lot of this shit as well? What are you What are you sort of seeing? I know we've, you've done a few articles over at tottnews.com about you know the the wag the dog war and all this sort of shit, mate. Just give us a quick rundown on what you're what you're seeing and what's your point of view at the moment. Yeah, general, it's fascinating. As you said, we've just woken up and here we are. The, the wag the dog war drums are beating again and mm. here we are and you've just done a fantastic expose they're just ex- exploring some of the um incon- you know the uh sort of the holes in the story mm. and you see this commonly with every event that this is all just sort of hollywood stage show uh manufactured imagery to to get people to do it so here we are again and they're ramping it all up and as we see in the ground, people will just believe anything that they're shown through the media, and that is how people process war, through media images. In yep. fact, the media images are the actual proceedings of the war. There is no war. What you see on your television screens and what is portrayed to you is the so-called war on the ground. So here we are again just going around the motions, and we talked about it. You know, this is if things are getting back to normal and they're letting go of mandates, do you think that they're going to relinquish all of their power so easy? Do you think they're going to be held accountable for their actions over the last two years? I don't think so. So here we are again. Russia, the same thing that happened in 2014. I remember, mate, doing the ARP podcast when Abbott was talking about shirt front and Putin. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, yeah. And uh, they they were going into Crimea and everything, and yeah. here we are again, just with the war machine going. But it's interesting. I want to throw back to you, mate. Do you think that this could potentially, not that it's a real thing, but do you think that this could escalate into something much larger that they drag the world into? Like I already see the inflation and cost of living. That's obviously evident. That's the immediate results of it. Is it yeah, just going to be that? Prices, Is it all that sort of stuff? Yeah. Yeah, is it just going to be that? Is it just for the election? Or what are your thoughts? Do you think that they're going to go into something bigger where this is where they institute the social credit system and the China overlay comes in? You know, it's hard they to do tell. The I'm, trying to, I'm trying to piece that together. And I, can't, I can't make that leap. I just can't, I yeah, can't get there. it's too early. It is. Yeah, I, um, yeah. I'm trying to, like, I'm thinking, like, he's not, it, it, this isn't a, a, a takeover bid of the independent nation of Ukraine by Russia. If that's not what this is, and people are making that out that that's what this is, that's not what this is. Like, he's not in... I don't see a full-scale invasion. If we saw a full-scale invasion, they would be landing and going after everything across that nation. That's not what's happening. There's things and sorties and stuff happening around the borders and a few towns on certain areas. They're not trying to clamp down and go for the whole country, are they? The Russians. You know, no. We're not seeing that. So this isn't... Uh, uh, you know, Russia isn't trying to reabsorb Ukraine back into it. You know, the old Soviet Union. That's not what this is. And I, I think people are kind of 
trying to make the leap that that's what's happening, but it's not. I don't see that at all, to be honest. This is this seems to be very surgical. It seems to be going after very particular targets if it is actually anything happening. I mean, I, I've seen footage of... I've literally seen footage of helicopters, you know, shooting uh, armoured vehicles on a highway that was snapped up by um, by people who are motorists on that highway, and it was, it was pretty interesting, very cool kind of images, to be honest, but very frightening at the same time. Um, I can't... I don't know if that was actually in Ukraine. All I'm saying is this just came out. I've seen this. You know, I don't have no proof of where that was or when that was. Um, just going by what I've seen, you know what I mean? So we've got to be very skeptical of this sort of stuff. But yeah, I, don't, I, 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 can't, I can't make the connection, Ethan. I'm, I'm trying to. I've been, dragging, you know, racking my brains over the last couple of days after what I've seen. I'm like, you know, how are they going to get from there to a digital currency? How are they going to get from there to all that war how are they going to I don't know I'm just trying to work out where these leaps and bounds are coming from if, if they can actually be made I'm sure they'll try and attempt it perhaps but yeah I'm not getting yeah. there myself mate yeah yeah for sure mate and I guess I'm in a similar boat to you especially considering wars just a hoax altogether but I guess the common argument is that they're putting NATO troops in Poland and it's all escalating up and this is from trade wars and years of tensions that have been building up and when you look at the causes of world war ii it's all about arms races and building up and political disputes and this could just go out of hand but i, I always try to remind people that, you know, that like they they could do it on an off chance but i don't think that's the case either mm. i think that in the modern age warfare is just at the bare minimum just occupations and it's just money to keep things going that's all it is it's just sort of pseudo conflicts that aren't really conflicts at all mm. that even since vietnam and korea were just staged offshore from the main countries and never really amounted to anything they were just a war that happened and then everyone went home and gave up and it was didn't have the same sort of instant devastation that the world wars had that were very distant in the past now so when we look at modern wars afghanistan and all this stuff even from vietnam era it's all just strategic relocation and occupation and exploiting resources and a power struggle but it's not a real war it's more so as you said mate just a and as Putin said, a military operation, and then there might be a response from another military operation, and it's seeing who can diplomatically, under the United Nations watch, take the land as some big chess game. But in this concept of war, that there's these sides battling each other and it will evolve, I'm in the similar boat, mate. It's hard mm -hmm. to see how it could evolve. But again, when corona come along, it was just the same old, uh, here we go again, more virus hysteria we sort of linked it to Ebola and then that was the one that changed the world. So I still do have like a 2% chance in me, which I, I wouldn't have had before that this could escalate to something bigger only because we're in that Corona era. Yeah. Look, I had but, this conversation yeah. with, um, with Chris, with um, one of our good mates for the show and uh, a good mate all around. Um, I had this conversation because he asked me, he's like, mate, I just want your take on what's happening. So this is this was my reply. It's, it's not too lengthy, but just bear with me anyway, guys, and feel free to chime in as well. Um, I said, "Yeah, look, timing is everything, isn't it?" I said, first of all, we're not we're not there, uh, and only have secondhand info to go off. Whether that's viral videos of footage we still don't even understand, or news reports that we cannot trust. So it's all speculation right now. My best guess is it's energy related. 
perhaps to do with natural gas and pipelines. Everything else is not a reason to go to war. It's always about securing resources. There will never be a direct war with Russia and USA or NATO allies, usually just proxy wars, small interventions that will be ridiculed by the West when they do it on, when they do it on a regular basis anyway. For example, Iraq, Afghanistan, Yemen, Syria, Libya, etc. They're all about resources and resource thoroughfares. Um, I said, yeah, war, war profiteering is illegal and the media is complicit. Ultimately, it's a distraction, yes. Like the sleight of hand by the magician. Look at, at war, sorry, look at the war in one hand while the other hand is doing shit under the table. Um, we supported a coup in Ukraine in 2014 that removed an elected pro-Russian leader and replaced him with our guy. Now we're trying to provoke a war with Russia, which only wants to protect the Russian-speaking people of two provinces of Ukraine, which want to secede. So apparently there's areas in Ukraine that don't want to be Ukraine anymore and actually want to secede over to Russia. Um, this is actually more along my lines of thinking, though. Number one, energy supply. Europe went green too fast and closed down power stations. Europe has a massive deficiency of energy. Cuts uh, cuts a deal with Russia Nord to not sorry Nord Stream to pipeline. The Nord pipelines go straight through Ukraine from Russia. Biden closed the Keystone XL USA, no longer a net exporter of energy or energy independent. USA now also dependent of energy from Russia as well as OPEC. Russia has the foot in uh, has the foot on the West's neck. Guess when you have a weak uh, and corrupt president, you attract evil. Europe softened up, no energy, depth of winter, massive worldwide energy prices, increased inflation, interest rates to turn up hard, and guess that's what you get. Uh, guess that's what you voted for. Um, that was some of those were some helpful explanations I also saw on Twitter as well, but it was basically in, the, in my line of thinking anyway. So, uh, it, yeah, it's similar to what you mentioned as well, Ethan. This, this is all small intervention sort of business. It's all about securing resources or setting up resource thoroughfares and stuff. That's, that's my guess anyway. What do you, what do you make of that boys? Yeah, for sure, brother. I completely agree. Like you, you elegantly put it out there with your response there and, and spoke about the previous examples. Mm. And this is the, the common case. This is especially with energy, gas, all that type of stuff war is normally used to justify the shortcomings of a nation that's what george orwell said and there's going to be some big time shortcomings for shutting down the country for two years and destroying everyone's lives for just over 80 deaths directly linked yep. to covid yep. right it's, there's going to be some big repercussions now that all of the safety nets go away and they try to get back to normal so not only does this serve as a distraction, but it's going to serve as justification for all of the shortcomings, for all of the Agenda 2030 price hikes and gas hikes and everything that we see, this is what the result is going to be. The same way that Afghanistan wasn't really truly a war, it was sort of an occupation, but there was real world consequences to the world. Everything went up, things have never been the same since 9-11, the pre-9-11 era. And it's going to be the same in the in the next era. So it always serves a purpose, but it's always a decoy for the shortcomings of the state. Mm. Andy, would you concur with any of those summations, mate, or do you have an idea yeah. of your own? Oh, I fully concur with it, mate. I really, I really don't think it's going to be, you know, like a Germany, you know, invading Poland thing, like like in nineteen thirty nine. No. It's just. 
they've got all of the politicians, they've got all the media, they've got everything all lined up and it's all been like fine-tuned over the whole COVID thing and they're using the, the, the war thing as, as they're using COVID like to inst instill fear into the people and that low-level fear is just is just more of the same and it just gets that same end result it's just putting putting low vibe fear into a worldwide population through um you know sickness and now war and it's just to me it's all just more of exactly the same yeah. so and it's all driving the same you know um economic bank robbery that we see going on with COVID as well mm. so um yeah i fully agree with both what, what you're saying there so uh, in summary, um, no, I, I, there's not going to be a World War Three. This is all just, you know, economic and economic destruction nice. for, for somebody's for somebody's game. Yeah, people need to realise that World War One and World War Two were just integral parts of the greater war against the people. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. the, and you look at who was responsible for those conflicts. They're, they're, they were members of the same family, you know, in the first for the First World War and stuff. You know, they're all related. All these oligarchs exactly. and stuff. You know, they were actually members, of, literally members of the same fucking family. So, yeah, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, um, <laughs> unnecessary destruction and death. Uh, anyway, um, one thing I did want to end the show on, lads, is remember the first casualty of war is the truth.
Is it what you don't know? 